Hey, all right. We're rocking with uh, fuel now. All right. So anyway, it's an honor to be here. If you will turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 29, we're going to look at one verse today. Uh, one verse, but it's going to pack a punch. There's going to It's going to give us a lot to talk about today in regard to the fear of man. Proverbs 29, 25. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for the honor and the joy that comes from gathering together as your people this morning as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the hope that we have in Christ. So I pray that today in the preaching of your word that you'll be glorified and Lord that you will use your word as a double-edged sword to comfort those who are hurting, to give hope, but also to convict us to show us the things that we have in our lives that do not honor you, that do not glorify you. And Lord, to help us to repent and to live lives that serve the King. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So in Proverbs 29.25 here, we see that we have two options. We can either fear man or we can trust in the Lord. We can fear man or we can trust in the Lord. In order for us to be able to rightly understand the options that we have before us, we really need to understand what does it mean to fear man? What does it mean to fear man? There is, there's a helpful book uh, that I have used in my ministry from uh, time, time and time again by a man named Ed Welch. He's a uh, pastor, he's a biblical counselor, uh, theologian, and he wrote a book called When People Are Big and God is Small. When People Are Big and God is Small. And uh, in that book, he uh, gives a really helpful treatment of this idea of the fear of man. And listen to what he says. He says, many of the people I've talked to had an awakening when they saw the controlling power of other people. They awoke to an epidemic of soul called in biblical language the fear of man. Although they were avowed worshipers of the true God, below the surface they feared other people. That is not to say that they were terrified by or afraid of others, although sometimes they were. Fear, in the biblical sense, is a much broader word. It includes being afraid of someone but it extends to holding someone in awe, being controlled or mastered by people, worshiping other people, putting your trust in people or needing people. However you put it, the fear of man can be summarized this way. We replace God with people. Instead of a biblically guided fear of the Lord, we fear others. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, uh, hearing these things, well, that really doesn't apply to me. I don't really fear man. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. And you may really feel that way. You may really feel like, uh, it doesn't really matter. I don't really care about what people think about me. Maybe you've been down that road before, and you have uh, worried what people think about you, and you've been hurt, and you've seen how disappointing that can be. And, and you've decided, I'm not going to get caught up in that anymore. 
uh, and you wear that lack of concern about what people think about you kind of as a badge of honor. But the fear of man is a sneaky sin. It's a really sneaky sin. It is always that obvious. There's some questions I've got here. I kind of want us to do a self-assessment. So these are kind of like just some triage questions that we can ask ourselves to see, am I guilty of the fear of man? So let's, let's go through these questions. Have you ever struggled with peer pressure? Are you overcommitted? So is your calendar full of, full of things, and are you headed toward burnout? Do you ever feel as though you might be exposed as an imposter or a hypocrite? Are you always second-guessing decisions because of what other people might think? Are you afraid to take risks? Do you ever lie, especially little white lies? Do you avoid people? When you compare yourself with other people, do you feel good about yourself? That one hurt when I was reading it. Have you ever been too timid to share your faith in Christ? I would submit that every single one of us, in one way or another, have fallen into this trap called fear of man. You see, the root, if we look at, if we look at the, the bitter fruit that is the fear of man, if we look at it kind of like a tree, the root, the thing that's supporting the fear of man in our lives is the Creator. And in the in this instance of the fear of man, we exchange, we put people in the place of God. That we put our trust and we put our hope and we put our love about my life. And I think about the ways that this shows up in my life. I am a, a terrific, uh, t- terrifically terrible people pleaser. That I've always wanted to make people happy. That I always want to say the right thing and do the right thing and I don't want to upset people. And so... I mentioned earlier I'm the manager of the Lifeway bookstore down the road, and that job gives some wonderful opportunities. It gives me the opportunity to uh, help people find the right Bible for their uh, walk with Christ so they can read the Word and study the Word, to find resources to help them uh, grow in their relationship with God and help them understand the Bible. Uh, I get to have wonderful conversations with people. People come in the door uh, grieving uh, over losing a loved one, uh, they come in, uh, and their marriage and their family is a wreck. And we get—I get to just stand in the aisles of a Christian bookstore and be able to uh, encourage and pray with and help people in their walks with the Lord. I also get to come alongside churches like Haven and other churches in the community and encourage their pastors and help them to figure out what type of curriculum to use and how to be able to do. VBS well and how to be able to uh, get the right resources in their hands for uh, discipleship. It's it's a wonderful job, uh, and I, I never knew that I would still be uh, working in retail at this age. I thought I would be a pastor, uh, but the Lord had a wonderful ministry opportunity for me that I didn't realize until one day I saw uh, what God had for me. One of the one of my favorite responsibilities uh, as the Lifeway store manager, though, is that I have a team of employees that God has entrusted to me uh, to develop and to make better leaders out of. And I always tell my people, I have a lot of college students and 
younger people, this definitely isn't their last stop in their career. I always tell people, I know this won't be your last job, but I hope it's your favorite job. Because I hope it's been a place where you can serve people with God's Word and where you can uh, learn to develop to be a leader in a safe place in Christian community where your leaders love you and want you to glorify God. Uh, But one of the things, one of the threats to that is that I, just like I mentioned earlier, I don't like making people upset. And so it really frustrates people on my leadership team sometimes. Because what ends up happening is I get to be good cop and my management team gets to be bad cop. So let's just say, for example, Susie, one of my employees, she's not really, I don't have a lady named Susie that works for me, but let's just say Susie comes, uh, Susie is struggling with being on time and she's showing up five minutes late, 10 minutes late. And one of my leadership team members comes to me and says, hey, we got to talk about Susie. You know, Susie's, she's causing people not to be able to leave their shift on time because she's late and it's really causing a problem. And in that meeting with my leadership team person, I might be talking tough, you know, I might say, that's right, we've got to deal with this. We've got to talk to Susie. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to set Susie straight in love. I'm going to sit down with her. I'm going to talk to her about the importance of being on time and we're going to nip this problem in the bud. And so bring Susie in and sit down with her, and I start to choke. <laughs> and I look at Susie, I'm like, Susie, I love, I love all that you do for us here at the bookstore. You're such a hard worker. And man, that, uh, that, uh, I really, I really like those shoes. Those are really great shoes. And, um, you know, I know you've had a really tough time in school this semester, and I know that you have it hard. And anyway, um, I just, you know, I just noticed that you were late a couple of times over the last week. So if you could just, I would just, you know, it's starting to bother people. So if you could be on time, I would really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. All right, but you're not in trouble or anything, and I'll go get them. You know, have a great day. Let's pray. And then, and and what I end up doing is, yeah, I talk to her about the issue, but I do everything I can to soften it, and I don't, uh, and I don't do her a good service by holding her accountable for the things that she does. And this is something, by God's grace, I'm getting better at. It's not as big of a problem as it used to be. But deep down at the root of that problem is sin. It is a sin that rather than doing what is right by her and what is uh, having the hard conversations that need to take place so that she can grow and be a better leader and learn to be and glorify God with her work, Instead, what ends up happening is I chicken out, and I don't want to have hard conversations with people. And so by God's grace, he's showing me that. And maybe you see other areas in your life where this may be cropping up, but what we have to recognize is at the end of the day, it is sinful when we allow the opinions of others, when we allow what other people think about us to stand in the way. Even more of us may struggle with opening up our lives to our brothers and sisters in Christ and letting people see inside our lives and our hearts, seeing uh, the struggles that we go through, letting them in to see the real us, the person behind that mask, and allowing people to, to see the mess that's in our own lives and our own hearts so they can help us, so we can get the help that we need from people and the prayers that we need from people. But instead, we don't want to open up. 
This is not good. This God has called us to live open lives and live in authentic community so that we can disciple one another, so that we can point. The Christian life cannot be lived in isolation. We need one another. There are so many different ways that we could talk about what the fear of man looks like in our life. It is a, it's a sin that reaches in so many different places, and it is old. It is as old as the fall of man. Let's look in Genesis 3. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 3 for just a moment. So we know those of us who are familiar with our Bibles grows up, and maybe those of us who grew up in church know or maybe familiar with this story. Uh, Genesis 3, everything is right in the world. Man is living in perfect harmony with God, and something goes wrong. And we see in Genesis 3, after uh, the woman is deceived by the serpent into eating the fruit that God forbid her to eat, we see a response that is full of the fear of man. Even if you back up and you look at her motives, look at her motives in taking the fruit. In verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. The motivation behind the sin was to be seen as wise, to have knowledge, to be like God, to be thought well of. And it's here we see that sinful pride, that sinful self-exalting heart at work, that, that Eve's desire to be thought well of, to be like God, drove her to do the thing that God forbid her to do. And it says in verse 7, And the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They were ashamed. They didn't want to be exposed for who they were, and so they hid behind fig leaves. Fear of man. Fear of what is true and what they would be seen as. Their shame caused them to hide from God. So what is the solution for fearing man? What is the solution for this problem that seems to plague us? Our scripture in Proverbs 29, 25, it's very simple. It says that either we fear man and it lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. The solution for the fear of man is to trust in the Lord to trust in God. Proverbs also tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of true knowledge and understanding. So we see we can either fear man or we can fear God. So what do we mean by fear? Does that mean that I should be terrified and tremble before God and hide from Him? Well, that will certainly be our reaction if we're like Adam and Eve, right? If we've sinned against the holy God of the universe, the God who has called us to live holy lives and glorify Him, then maybe we should tremble. Maybe we should be scared. But for those of us who take refuge in the Lord, 
Those of us who have found His grace and His mercy in Christ, we don't have to tremble in fear. Instead, we take refuge in Him. And fear of God looks very different in this circumstance. This type of fear is giving weight to Him, glorifying Him, serving Him, putting Him in His proper place, respecting Him, obeying Him. Rather than putting people in the place of God, we put God in the place of God. Why should we do that? Because He is God. Think about this for just a moment. Let's say you uh, said, Dane, we need you to fight somebody. Right? I don't know why you would do that. I would be concerned about that. But let's just say we're bringing two people in here. You bring them up here before the pulpit and you say, before you can leave, you got to fight somebody today. And I would say, well, I'm very concerned about that, but okay, I'd like to leave, so I'll do that. In this corner, we have a man who is seven feet tall. He weighs 400 pounds and he does CrossFit. I just added that CrossFit piece in there. I don't. I don't know if he actually does, but let's just say, uh, so we've got this beast of a man who is obviously going to be very difficult to fight. He's going to be very difficult to defeat. And let's say in this corner, we've got a man who's three foot, five inches and weighs less than a hundred pounds. And you say, you can choose to fight either one of these men. How many people think I'm going to choose to fight the seven foot CrossFit guy? Maybe one. Well, I know you don't know me that well, but I'm going to choose the the smaller guy. And the reason I'm going to choose the smaller guy is because I know I don't stand a chance against this man, the seven foot, 400 pound CrossFit guy. I'm not going to beat him up. I'm not going to win. I'm not going to make it out of here. You see, when we when we decide that we're going to fear someone, are we going to fear man? Are we going to fear man who who ultimately can say mean things about us or can, might be able to do uh, do something to hurt our feelings or maybe even hurt us physically a little bit? Who can destroy our body but can't destroy our soul? Or are we going to fear the, the one who not only can destroy our body but can destroy our soul forever? If we have a choice, if this scripture is correct, and we know it is, in saying that we will either fear man or we will fear God, we must choose to fear God. Because He is God. He is the holy God who created the heavens and the earth, and He is the one that we should listen to and the one that we should obey, because He is God. And if we fear man, we are... We are not putting God in His proper place. And we are not glorifying Him and serving Him as God. And ultimately, we will fear man temporarily on earth, but we will fear God forever apart from Him. And I want to encourage us now to live our lives in such a way that we take refuge in God. Because He is a God of love and a God of mercy. 
And if we do what he says, no matter what happens to us, no matter if we are rejected and despised by man, no matter if we experience complete and total isolation and rejection, we can still know that if we please God, that we get to enjoy him forever. We take refuge in him and we love him. So how do we properly fear God? I have three encouragements for us today. As we think about how can I actively fear the Lord rather than fearing man? First of all, we have to meditate on the gospel. Meditate on the gospel. You see, the gospel shows us that God loves us so much that he sent Christ to die for us in our place, the death that we deserve to die, the rejection that you and I deserve to have forever because of our sin, because we dared to sin against God. He sent Christ to take our place, and we have mercy and love and grace forever in Him. And it tells us that we, instead of getting the condemnation that we deserve, we get the love and we get the grace and we get salvation from sin. And that truth we should never get over. That is a truth that should, that should rock our world on a daily basis. The psalm that Brother Jim read earlier, Psalm 77, talks about musing or pondering or meditating on the works of the Lord. And that is what God is calling us to do. When we meditate, when we say that we're going to meditate on the gospel, it means that we're going to think about God's love for us and we're going to think about what he has done for us in Christ. And that's something that we can we can preach to ourselves and meditate on and live in on a daily basis. And that will continually transform our hearts and help us to see properly who God is and to see who we are. And rather than putting myself or putting others up here and putting God down here, instead, meditating on the gospel puts God in his proper place and it puts man in his proper place. And this is how we, we ponder, we meditate, and we think about God's love for us through Christ. Number two, so number one, we meditate on the gospel. Number two, we study the character of God. God is glorious and he's worthy of fear. The knowledge of God is the greatest knowledge that you and I can possess. He is perfect in every way. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. And he can be trusted. We don't need to listen to the lies that our flesh continues to preach to us, that we should make others happy or that we should worry about what people think about us. As we study God's character, we will be more and more conformed into his image and his character, and we will fear him as we should. And then number three, finally, we need to repent of our pride. We need to repent of the sinful, self-exalting, prideful heart that causes us to be too concerned about what people think and that puts people in the wrong place. And this is not, this is something that I can't say enough. That our pride goes deeper than we can imagine. It's rooted in the very fabric of who we are. And it rebels against God. 
We need to learn to doubt our own desires and, and, and question our, the impulses of our flesh, and we need to trust the Lord and renounce pride. When we repent, it doesn't mean that we just say, I'm sorry. It means that we turn and we walk the other way. So what do you need to do today? What are the steps that you need to put into place today to repent from pride? What are the conversations that you need to have with someone that you trust and love and say, I need you to pray for me because this is, a, this is an issue in my life that I really have to wrestle with. Who are the people that you need to bring into your own heart and your own life? What are the scriptures that you need to start meditating on and memorizing? What's your action plan? Any action plan, any repentance has to start with falling on your face before the Lord and saying, Lord, I need your help. We're so part, we love to have plans. We love to have an organized plan put together to help change uh, what's wrong in our lives. Any plan we put together has to start with God, falling before Him and asking for mercy and help in this area. And so today, maybe you're here and you, you have no idea what I'm talking about because you've never fully trusted God with your heart. You've never truly repented of your sins for the first time. You've never experienced the glory that comes from surrendering your life to Christ. And I want to tell you today, uh, you're no different than I am and I'm no different than you are. I was separated from God. We were all separated from God because of sin. But when we realize that when we come before God in brokenness, and asking Him to take our sin and to give us His righteousness that comes through the death of Christ on the cross, that we can have eternal life. We can be with Him one day in heaven, but we can be free now from sin. And so if that's you today, if you've never truly trusted in Christ, I want to I want to urge you today to talk to someone that you love and trust. Grab me after the service. Grab, grab a deacon. Grab one of the leaders here at the church. And we would love to talk with you about that. We would love to show you from the Scriptures how you can repent, turn from your sin, and trust in Christ. Others of us who, have, who do love the Lord and, and seek to honor Him and glorify Him, who have turned from our sins initially, the challenge is on the table for us to repent as well, to walk away from these old ways of living and to turn and to trust in Him. We all need to repent from pride. And so we're going to have a time of response in just a moment. I'm going to pray, and then Brother Michael is going to come forward, uh, and he would be happy to pray with you, to talk with you about what it means to fear God rather than fear man and see what that looks like in your own life. Uh, like I said, I'll be around here as well. I would love to help as best I can. But we must remember that we, have, we serve God. We serve the Creator rather than the creation. And it is Him alone who is worthy of our life, our devotion, and our praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we realize that we fall short. We fall short of the, uh, the holiness that You require. 
in God, our flesh, in the world, in the evil forces at work in this world, make it very, very difficult to trust you. But Lord, we see that you have provided a way for us to to have joy, to live our lives in such a way that glorifies you and that is best for us. Father, I pray that you would help us to repent, to turn from this pride at work in our lives. God, that you would help us to see that Christ is better than the approval of 10,000 people. God, there may be many in here who are wrestling with this sin today. Would you help us to be bold for you? Not to be unkind or unloving or to be bigoted, but bold for you. Would you help us, Lord, to, to say the things we ought to say, to do the things that we ought to do, and not be shackled by approval and the fear of man. We love you. Lord, you command us so many times in Scriptures to fear not. Lord, help us to take refuge in you, to fear you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.